Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Bullpen Cart. As promised, Matty D and I were able to connect this week to drop a midweek pod. We talked NFL Draft, NHL Playoffs, NBA Playoffs, as Matt had his thoughts that he wanted to share with you guys. We uh, had uh, some technical difficulties with Skype. You'll hear that a little bit in the pod as the sound goes in and out for a bit, and Matt actually has a little bit of a connection issue, so we apologize there. Working on those episode by episode, improving there. But let us know your feedback. As always, go like, share, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Send us any stadium snacks, bleachers, creatures, beers that you want us to talk about for future episodes. But enjoy our talk of the NFL Draft and the playoffs. Welcome to a special weeknight episode of the Bullpen Cart. I am Jordy Cannell, the G-Man. And as promised from Sunday night's episode 10, Matty D and I are doing a weeknight podcast. Matt finally got off of the SEPTA train. Somebody finally figured out how to temporarily fix the train. Matt, how you feeling? Hey, you know what? I'm feeling a little better now. No, I, you know, that's not that bad. Not that bad. It was a crazy weekend for Matty D, flying around, you know, trying to get the insight on the NFL draft and such. So, you know, I had to get, get, get in touch with my insiders, and it's, it's hard to do this in today's world. So At times, but SEPTA really prevented you from getting in touch with them. I was unable to get down and talk directly to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay due to SEPTA. You know, I was on their busy schedules, but, you know, sometimes it happens. Hey, we'll get them rescheduled on there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we I mentioned this on Sunday in the uh, solo pod, but we uh, decided because of the draft being in Philly and because we're in the midst of the playoffs, we wanted to uh, extend our podcast influence on those three sports. We're going to try to make this a little bit quicker than our usual Sunday night baseball podcasts or Monday mornings for those of you that act, that listen to it since we drop it then. But let's get right into it, Matt. What do you think of the NFL draft this year? Well, I mean, I, first of all, and I, you can talk this, you can talk about this straight up, but I, I thought Philadelphia was a great, great host. We obviously have a mutual option for next year's draft, and to me, it shouldn't even be a question. I know some, I know some cities like Dallas. You know, really want the draft, and I understand every team should get their chance. But I'm a big fan of heading back there next year. Give it one more year, couple couple tweaks here and there, but seventy thousand plus. I've heard numbers up to a hundred thousand people. I mean, it was an incredible experience to watch on TV. Philly did it. Philly did us proud with the booing, and you, you got to love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I talked about this on Sunday, and I, I wrote the post on Thursday night. But it was a good time. The only thing I'd say is figure out the lines. Uh, for the beer and food, the bathroom line, surprisingly, is anybody that's ever been to a tailgate for for an Eagles game can attest to, are usually terrible. They figured that out, though, on the Ben Franklin Parkway, and they had an excess supply of that. So my tip for next year would be figure out the beer lines and the food lines. I read somewhere that, that people thought that the Philadelphia fans were sober, and that's why there were zero arrests. <laughs> and I can personally attest that... There weren't a lot of sober people there. Hey, well, you know what? Uh, it, it's a good look for Philly, without a doubt. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, even all the the camaraderie and the banter of the Dallas people egging us on to boo them, 
Goodell allegedly planting people to piss us off. And we showed why we're world-class booers. Right. <laughs> Look, I, I thought it was a fascinating draft that changed so quickly. Um, literally the second pick in. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. oh, yeah. I thought, I thought it was wild. Look, I got to get your impression. You wrote a great article about the draft, and I know some of my impressions of the Eagles were in there. They're, well, the first day one pick, but give me what your thoughts are on this Eagles draft class and just kind of how you're feeling a couple days removed now from the big weekend. I'll tell you this. I'm still indifferent to the Barnett pick. Uh, I wrote that in the post. If you haven't read it, thunderblogsports.com. Go check it out. But I really like these other picks they got. Um, my favorite is either between – the two wide receivers, not wide receivers, two cornerbacks they got in the second and third round. But the guy I really like is Pumphrey out of San Diego State. I really liked him in college. I wrote a lot of a lot of praise for him in my uh, Fun V Tailgate posts last season. So that's got to be my my favorite uh, out of there. And a lot of love for West Virginia in the last couple of years. The Eagles have uh, done via their draft picks. You had Wendell Smallwood last year and. Two Mountaineers this year, so that's that's fun to see, at least for our uh, long-lost friends, Alex and Alexa Bruslowski. <laughs> a great shout-out there. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I really like Pumphrey. I just don't like that we he's not he's not really going to be an every-down back at 5'9", at yeah. 175 soaking wet. Um, you know, he's a good guy to put behind Sproles for a year and get some touches early in his career. I, I love Sidney Jones. I know yeah, he's got two Achilles, and he might come back not the same player. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about passing on a Quincy Wilson in the second round, which yeah. another guy that I really liked. But to me, Sidney Jones, I thought he was the most talented corner in the draft over Lattimore, who a lot of guys loved. Um, you know, if he comes back, will you have a pro bowler? I think Razul Douglas... He's not getting the credit he deserves. He's a third-round guy. He can start this year on the outside. And you know what? With Jones rehabbing, most likely, he's going to get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but I also really like Mac Hollins and Shelton Gibson, the two wide receivers. Both are guys that averaged over 20 yards a catch in college. That's that's big time for me. We need a, a, a home run hitter. Now, I know we didn't, we didn't weren't able to get one of the big three wide receivers this year, but both those guys can spend some time behind you know, Jeffrey Smith, Matthews this year and kind of see what we got in them. So I really liked the draft. I thought we were a little safer than I think people wanted. Um, but I guess the only thing, maybe I was a big Ruben Foster guy. Yeah. But now, I mean, I think maybe you've heard. I mean, he didn't go to 31. He's got a shoulder injury that I wasn't as aware of as I should have been. And he had some off-field stuff. So... You know, I, it stinks because we don't really, we didn't really get a, a starter out of this draft. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting there uh, in terms of those positions. I mean, I was pretty bummed when they didn't get those wide receivers. You could kind of feel it amongst the crowd when each one of the wide receivers and even those running backs were I was taken. Say, and, and the two running backs yeah. went up high. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, the thing is, though, we never thought we were going to be moving up. You know? Yeah, no, no, nobody wanted to. But, um, yeah, it was um, – I mean, that's sort of why I, I felt as you know up in the air about the the Barnett pick and why I am still still the jury's out for me. I just love the athleticism they drafted. In, in case you 
don't dive as deep as Matt and I do in terms of undrafted free agents. We can talk about our boy in a second, but the Eagles picked up the former quarterback of the Houston Cougars, Greg Ward Jr., which I think is really intriguing. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that'll be fun to watch. If he makes the team, I I think that athleticism could could really come in handy for this team. No, I I agree. Um, I always love looking at those lists to see guys that, you know, maybe – for whatever reason, didn't make didn't make a roster that should have. Um, you know, I think it's a fascinating way to be. I, I hear a lot of people say they'd rather be a undrafted free agent than a late seventh round pick. You know, only because they can kind of go to the right. Yeah, they can pick uh, where they want to go. It's that uh, right. And now, and now we get in this really cool mode where these guys are trying to make the team. So yeah, yeah. I uh, it's going to be fascinating moving forward. I mean, if you want to jump in and talk about our boy real quick. Yeah, uh, really quick shout-out to former Lehigh quarterback Nick. Matt, you want to try to pronounce his last name? No. It's Chef Nisky. <laughs> Matt obviously uh, had a, doesn't pay as much attention to our Mountain Hawks as I do. But he uh, sure. decided today to sign with the Eagles as an undrafted free agent to uh, try to make the team in rookie minicamps. So go Lehigh, go Eagles. But, Matt, who do you think, looking at the other 31 teams, who is sitting pretty coming out of this draft? There are two teams that I I thought had fantastic drafts. The first one was the Indianapolis Colts. Well, Lee Cooker in the first round, he's a rangy safety, going to play center field, help that team out a lot. I really, really liked him. Definitely. But I loved their second-round pick, Quincy Wilson. So they – who I thought was the third or fourth best corner, maybe third best corner in the draft. Okay. And so what I like about that is you now have two starters right away on your defense starting this year. I think that's hard to do. But the team I liked a little better was the San Diego – I mean, sorry, excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers. I'll tell you it was weird seeing Los Angeles Chargers at the draft. All right, so they drafted Mike Williams in the first two. an amazing pick. And it's kind of a luxury pick for them, although it makes yeah. sense. They had some receiver injury issues. Then they went ahead and got Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney in the next two rounds. So two yeah. potentially excellent starting, at least guards, maybe tackles, which I was a huge fan of. And then they got Desmond King in, like, the fifth round, who, who was an amazingly good corner for Iowa. And kind of like they're not sure if he's a corner or the safety. Well, a corner or a safety. Well, guess what? The Chargers need both a corner and a safety, so it really works out well for them. So I really like both of their drafts. Definitely. I really like Carolina's draft. I think McCaffrey's great. I also like how they added a couple other positions that didn't necessarily have holes in, but I really like that second-round pick of Taylor Martin from Western Michigan. Um, As a former offensive lineman, granted, not a very good one, but... As one, I have appreciation for the big guys, so that's that's one of my favorite picks there. I, I just think that uh, and and Deshaun Hall from Texas A&M, but I think McCaffrey and Cam Newton is something to really really keep an eye out on because that's that's going to be a rumble and stumble in offense, I think. Absolutely. And I have my question for you: Is there anybody you didn't like any draft that you just thought what? What what in the world are, are they doing? The obvious one, and not because it's the player, but because of the trade, is uh, the Bears for Mr. Bisky. 
But the hmm, outside of that, it's more of why didn't you take some of the other players and why there was such a premium on the skill players is my big question. Uh, thinking of a thinking of a player where they are because of how how high of a ceiling there are there is for those players. I think it works, but I would have liked to see some of those big guys go earlier than than skill players and. What do you think it was with the premium of on the skill positions early on? Was it was it just simply just Ezekiel just Elliott? So many, there were just so many offensive guys this year that I think teams defensive guys. I think teams thought, "Oh my god, if I don't get an offensive guy early, I'm not going to get anything of, of that kind of a talent." I mean, for Quincy Wilson to go in the in the in the second round like he did was pretty amazing. So I, I think it was these teams up top said, let's get our big offensive guy now and then get the defensive guys we want you know, in the second round because there's a lot of starters in the second round. So I think that's kind of what happens. There's only only three big wide receivers. You know, There are three or maybe four running backs if you include Joe Mixon. So And there was a lot more defensive ends, corners, safeties, you know, linebackers that came later that teams were able to pick up. So I think yeah. that was the big, the big nab there, Yeah, which was – Kind of a shame for the for the birds too, obviously in that in that regard. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the Eagles did the right thing, sit and put, especially in the first round, trying to trade up. Isn't as you kind of saw with a lot of the teams that went for quarterback, it was pretty easily to be on the receiving end of sell me this pen. If you remember that from the Wolf of Wall Street, I do. Yeah, so uh, I like what, one draft really confused me was the Jets. So they, they took they took Jamal Adams at six, which uh, I understand because he was to me one of the top two or three players in the draft. But you already have um, Calvin Pryor and Marcus Gilchrist there. So then they drafted Marcus May in the next round, which they did two safeties back to back, which doesn't really make sense. Um, and then they went so minor, like they didn't hit cornerback up at all, and, and obviously they're losing Darrell Revis. And they didn't really do anything for linebacker either. So I just thought that it was kind of a head-scratching draft. I mean, okay. I know you go best available, but after Jamal Adams, I think you needed to cross safety off your board uh, for a team that has a lot of issues that they needed to, to fix. Um, they were one of the ones that kind of confused me a little bit. Absolutely. But uh, let's move on since we're going over our, our thought of 10-10-10. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to basketball. The second Start. round is – Underway, we're seeing game. currently literally currently literally underway. underway yeah, <laughs> the uh, the Wizards are up on the Celtics, which that's an intriguing series. I think that might be one of the more intriguing ones, especially after the the game one of the Spurs series last night. But what are you what are you keeping an eye out most for in the in the second round, Matt? Well, I think there's a question on which team in the East is better suited to potentially take out the Cavs in a conference final matchup. Yeah. Um, and while I like Boston over the Wizards, I think the Wizards are a better matchup because of their star power with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Um, you mean you, you don't know, believe so, in the King in the Fourth? No, I no. do not. I the problem I have with with the Celtics. Greg's is I not going to be happy. Can be abused on defense against Kyrie Irving. Will go right behind. Um, and I think that they just, they're lacking not even a star, but just a better outside scorer. Mm -hmm. I love Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart, but I don't think they're good enough on the outside to spread the floor out enough for them to be able to beat the Cavaliers. Okay. I love, I love the combo of Wall and Beal though. Yeah. Uh, 
against the Cavs. Yeah, definitely. Um, they have the ability to at least try to shut him down. I think it's tough to. I think it's tough to match LeBron. Um, I mean, it's just it's going to be. It's going to be this, the tale of LeBron's career because nobody, everybody refuses to, to kind of give him the credit where it's due of how many finals he made. But you also do have to think how good were these Eastern conferences. Um, I think the Celtics, I, I disagree. I think the Celtics could have a better opportunity to, to win, um, but I'll just agree to disagree there. I think this series with Toronto, though, I don't think it's necessarily a sweep, but I do think it's going to be intriguing. I can see that. I think Toronto just—they're kind of stuck. They're a very, very good team, but they're not a great team. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I just don't know. You know, uh, I've never been a huge DeRozan guy. Uh, you know, I've read the statistics about mid-range game and how unimportant it is. Um, you know, I'm obviously a, a Lowry fan, being a Nova guy, a no. Nova fan, but um, it just—they're just not. They don't have it, and it's time. I almost want to say it's time to break that up a little bit when you watch them. But um, you're right. I think the Cavs are going to move move on in this series and in the next one. Um, you know, to get to the finals. I mean, the only player that can match LeBron is Kawhi Leonard. To, uh, yeah. To, oh, absolutely. The problem is after. You still there? I, I just, just. I'm still there. You there? Yeah, yeah, you were cutting in and out. Just uh, say the only problem again. That's right. The only problem is that after this, the Rockets abused the Spurs last night at home. I'm not sure we're gonna see the Spurs and the Warriors in the finals, in the in the conference finals. Um, I looks like they have a fight on their hands. Yeah, I that was a real shock for me. I was going in and out of that. I was at the bar last night watching that in the Capitals Penguins series, which we'll uh, we'll get to in a little bit. But I think. That was uh, that was really surprising last night. That big win out of out of Houston. Not that they're not a good team, but you just think with a guy like Kawhi Leonard and being able to to elevate that team like we've seen him do year after year since that Finals MVP performance, which it's hard to believe that that was what four, three years ago, 2014. That yeah. he's he's still been able to do it. Uh, it's just it's it was shocking. No, I'm I'm with you. I yeah, you know, I think we can both agree that they need the the Spurs need a couple guys to step up. And all the fingers are pointing at Lamarcus Aldridge. I understand. We've also seen the age of Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. You know, you expect the Spurs to be good because of Pop and, and and obviously Kawhi, but they you know they're not. They need they need to be a little stronger elsewhere. Um. And they're not they're not going to win this series unless Lamarcus Aldridge steps up and plays like the max player he is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, LA, uh, LA was one I was gonna I was gonna say as well. I've liked him a lot. I've all, I liked him when I started paying attention to the Blazers because of CJ. But I followed him along while he was in San Antonio, and it's been an interesting run while he's been there. Um, but you're absolutely right; he needs to step up and and be that that max contract guy that. That's what they're paying him for. <laughs> right, right. And I think there's – I think the other series in the West, I think we both agree that the, the Golden State Warriors are going to move on. Yeah. Um, but I want to pose a question to you is which team in this has the most to lose? Now, I'm referring to this question. I want to frame it like the Clippers. The Clippers, they lost to Utah. Now, everyone expects them to be broken up. Is there a team in, in the playoffs right now that if they, they lose or they – 
or they get smoked that they're gonna that you think they have a lot to lose in this by not competing or not winning their series in the the playoffs in general or just in the last oh, no no playoffs in general it can be any team um, across the board okay um... like, like I like I can tell you right now I don't think they're gonna win the series mm-hmm. but if the Jazz don't compete with the Warriors mm-hmm. they have the potential to lose Gordon Hayward oh and yeah I think that and I, so I think that they have a lot to lose. I know that they advanced, but and they're one of the teams that I think they don't they, they don't they're not going to win the series. But they got to win two games to make Hayward feel hey, Gordon Hayward feel like hey, by the way, I can stay here and win. Yeah. Um. So they're they're. Go ahead. No, no I was going to say that's that's an interesting call. Um. I would say the teams remaining. I might say Toronto. Um. Because of the fact that. You, they made the, those trades at the deadline to try to try to load up to be a competitor to Boston, and it, it played out that Boston ended up getting the number one. But they wanted I – mean, basically they were trying to be that Eastern Conference final spoiler to the Cavs, try to get, get a leg up on the Celtics who did nothing at the deadline. Um, and I think the fact that Cavaliers rested a ton and LeBron – I don't know what he wanted to do on his days off, but it was enough to get a two seed. But he, but I, I think just the way that that team's constructed, it could get blown up pretty quickly if they don't compete and they don't they don't show a good a good showing, if you will. That doesn't that wasn't very well articulated, but I think no, just I, in, I, in a way I, that that I agree. that Boston and, and Washington can at least amass pieces together, I think, and Cleveland's going to be Cleveland as long as LeBron's there. I just think of those four teams, Toronto's the most explosive of the four. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. By the way, um, as we're speaking, Boston just went up 102.99 with about six to play in the fourth Ooh. on the Wizards. So they've Ooh. got a chance to make it a 2-0 series and uh, um, make two games back in our nation's capital uh, pretty, pretty important for the Wizards. So um, we'll see what happens in that game as we trickle on. But, you know, I say we roll right along. You know, I've been watching the, uh, the NHL playoffs. Not only does my family enjoy watching it, but um, my girlfriend's family is also huge fans. Shout out to Shade or Sade, big Nashville Predators fan. I know he's watching tonight. I'm not going to talk about another member of the Lucas clan who may or may not be a penguins fan um but we did i did get to enjoy the washington win there last night so uh what are your thoughts on the playoffs nhl playoffs this round this round i think has been really really fun the whole the whole playoffs have been cool or have been fun to watch just from the fact that no lead is safe and that washington game last night was the epitome of it the fact that the the Caps are up two nothing in Pittsburgh with three minutes left, two minutes left, and then the <laughs> Penguins go bang bang, tie without, it up. Without, even though even though the wrong. Penguins fans left the stadium, you know I mean we're not calling anybody out here, but come on, stay to the end. Uh, but Ch- <laughs> Shattenkirk snipes it. That's what they traded for him. Which is really intriguing. Just we'll get to the West in a second, but the fact that the Blues are where they are, and that's right. yeah. But I wanted to give you this, and it might make you feel better about uh, about us as Flyers fans and 
a little bit of a Pittsburgh shaming because there's never enough of it. Top 10 teams in Nielsen ratings in America for the first round of the playoffs. Matt, I'm going to pose you this question before I read the list. Of the 10, how many cities do you think had zero had no representation in the playoffs? So, 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 wait, so explain the list again. Like, like, so, the list, so, these, so these are in order of the highest rated television watching, you know, most households okay. watching a game. They're rated from one to 10 of the, you know, most households watching games uh, and, and invested interest in it. So, how many of those cities do you think didn't have a team in the playoffs? I think one. I think it was Philadelphia. Oh, my friend. I'm going to read the list off to you. Number one, Buffalo. Number two, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Number three, St. Louis. Number four, Nashville. Number five is Providence. Number six is Philadelphia. Number seven is Chicago. Number eight is Boston. Number nine is Pittsburgh. Number ten is really going to shock you. West Palm Beach, Florida. All the retirees. Down all the retirees. There. All the transplants. But Philly, we we love our hockey. Even though the Flyers aren't in there, shout out to the number two pick, whoever that's going to be. Uh, we can do we can do that later. But we at least represented well. But on the topic at hand of the second round, I think the fact that the Sens were able to go up two nothing. They're now up two one because the the Rangers got their revenge for. Really shit in the bed on Saturday. But I think the fact that they're even up 2-1, two, two to one, I, I said to Greg when he and I previewed the second round and in my, my post previewing it that this was the most locked up series beforehand. And the Senators must have read it. Uh, every year there always seems to be one series in the NHL playoffs that some players on the team must just Google asshole blogger who – makes picks and finds my posts and then really just proves me wrong. First round must have been the Predators. Well, they probably did that with ESPN. But um, this had to be had to be the other one with the Senators. But I think that's great. And that series was fun. I was watching that earlier tonight. The, the Rangers winning 4-0. The team I'm most excited about, though, are, despite the fact that I'm wearing a, a old-school Mighty Ducks hat, is the Edmonton Oilers. Don't That's, you want to see them move on to the next round? I, like, I really like Anna. I don't have any dislike for Anaheim, but I want to see Edmonton move on. I don't have any dislike for any team in the West. If any of them move through, it'd be oh, cool man, to see I'm Nashville. It'd be cool I'm to see Edmonton. I'm pulling Nashville, but but other than that, I, I, I'm i with you. None of those four teams upset me. Yeah. I mean, St. Louis, and, and kind of coming back on this of Shattenkirk, you kind of thought they were out to – they were throwing everything out to pasture after they traded him away. They lost Oshie in free agency. It was – I mean, you also lost um, – what's his uh, – who went to the Bruins from them, the defensemen? Oh, it'll come to me. I know who you're talking yeah, about. But they, they lost a ton of players, and that talent of that team from two, three, four years ago who were able to go toe-to-toe with the Blackhawks in the first round – and the fact that they're still in that series very much so, which that game is starting, has just started as we've been recording this, but that series is going to be awesome. The same thing with, with Anaheim and Edmonton, two very different series in terms of 
One's very defensive in the Smashville series, and the other is very offensive with that Edmonton team, which it's crazy that they're now, and they also have this physicality that they never really had with all those first-round forward picks they had. But the West is a ton of fun. Right, no, it is, and it's kind of like anybody's game out there. I don't think there's a clear favorite. Um I'm going. I'm going Nashville or Edmonton to meet in the conference finals. There, no. I will say I thought. I thought after the first basically game of the series that the East was pretty much one team to lose, and that was the Penguins. But the Crosby injury to me changes the whole dynamic. Um, I'm going. Obviously, I, I I like Ottawa, even though they lost tonight. To pull it out, unless Lundqvist getting super hot, I think they've got some spunk. Yeah, how um, about that? He right. He was hot in that series against uh, Montreal, and that's basically why they won. So he got right. red hot, and then all of a sudden, nothing in this series. I mean, tonight he shut him out, but I, it was just—it's astounding to me that usually a goalie gets hot for the entirety of the playoffs, until especially one as good as Lundqvist. Exactly, and. He played some of the worst hockey of his career this season, but it kind of looked like that rust was gone by the time that the, that uh, Montreal series was really getting going. Right. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I was, I'm definitely shocked. I mean, a lot of excitement in Ottawa, obviously, about the Sens being in it. But yeah. um, I, uh, I've been pretty blown away by the lack of with the Rangers. But the Rangers were the seventh seed. It's not like they were this, a superstar team this year. You know, by any means, seven um, seed in in quotation marks because of the wild cards. But right, they were so. Oh, oh, by the way, quick update: the Wizards are now up 109-104 with three minutes left in the fourth. They've stormed all the way back, take a little bit of a lead. Um, uh, and by the way, uh, fourth quarter boy is doing it again. But um, you mean the king of the fourth? The king of the fourth. Isaiah's got thirty-seven points already. Yeah. Uh, but but hey, John Wall's got thirty nine because Thomas doesn't play defense. Yeah. Uh, no, but sorry, getting back to hockey. Excuse me. I I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> the, the, obviously, I think it's a must win anyway. But the Caps have to win tomorrow night, tie it up, and and they have to either hope that Crosby doesn't play in Game Five. But they they've they've got to win the next two. They've got to basically win three games in a row in this series to have a chance because the Penguins are so deep and they're so experienced and talented. You know, I, I want the Caps. I mean, I really just want Ottawa because I don't really like the other teams, but I want the Capitals to win that series. So it's going to be a fight tomorrow night. Um, you know, there's so so much talent on Pittsburgh. Uh, the Capitals need to get over the hump. I think it's going to be a fascinating series. I, I, I want to take them, but I'm still going with Pittsburgh in that series. Yeah, I picked in the blog post for the Capitals to win, and it's tough. When you lose your first two games at home, and you actually we heard this talked about with the Celtics to reincorporate the, uh, the basketball, but Losing those first two games at home, especially in the way that, that they did, makes it tough. If they're able to push it back and make this a three-game series, it'll be a completely different ballgame. I think you're right of the Crosby. If he plays in game five, the difference that he makes just being as great as he is, you know, debatably the best, if not the second-best player in the world, hands down, Um I think that, I mean, I personally, I'd like for the Capitals to win in the absence of him tomorrow and then Crosby come back in Game 5. Just because I think, you know, two heavyweights throwing their haymakers one after another is, is more fun than just seeing another team kind of keel over because they lost their superstar. Not that they don't have the rest of the team around it. I just think, I thought it was shocking that 
Washington was down 2-0, considering the fact, especially that second game, that they have this team. I, I said to Greg that it seemed like that Ovechkin as the Michael Jordan role finally got the pieces around and the Scotty Pippen, the Dennis Rodman, even uh, even though Rodman wasn't around for the first couple. But you know, you're getting you're getting what I'm saying. He put that team together right. that could do it, and especially with a couple holes that the Penguins had in terms of losing Latang and losing a couple other players. But I mean, the Penguins they're the Penguins for a reason. They've, there's a reason why Crosby has two cups that feels like it's four, it's because he's so good. But on that other side of the series, I think, depending on how game four goes, which is in New York, so it's tough to say that it's easily Ottawa's, but if they're able to win that, and and like we said before, if Lundqvist gets it going, it's a completely different series, but that Senators team, uh, if they win game three going back to Ottawa, especially with just – that decor with Carlson and the other guys surrounding him, that's uh that that'll be a fun fun team to watch in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, I agree. I agree. It's gonna be great anyway. I mean it's such a great time of year with all the uh with the NBA and the NHL Championship you know, season. Kind of, kind of battling and obviously with baseball as we know in the weekly podcast uh, going on in the background just for now. I mean background it's really one B because you know it's such a great thing to just turn on. I was watching Little Phillies tonight. Yeah, and in Chicago World Series Cubs, of course, of course. But uh, you know that's that's uh, it's a pretty good rundown of the week coming up and all the stuff you got to tune in on sports wise. Yeah, I mean, there's a Kentucky Derby too, which admittedly I think I know nothing of until like five minutes before when I look at the odds and make like a right. offhand bet with my cousins or my mom because uh, my whole family loves to just gamble random things, whether it be. Beers, uh, most notably in the 2010 Stanley Cup Finals, we bet Yingling versus Goose Island for the Flyers-Blackhawks series uh, to monetary values, which you know we will not get too much further into. But um, that'll wrap it up for this <laughs> midweek pod here. Matt, do you have any other thoughts, anything else that you're you're thinking of, any TV movies you're excited for? Uh, I gotta go out and see Guardian of the Galaxy two this week. Uh, big fan of of this, uh, not only the Marvel, you know, the Marvel Cinema World and, and Guardians of the Galaxy one, but I'm also MCU. I've got a little bit of a man, little bit of a man crush on uh, Chris Pratt. So definitely a movie I gotta go see this week. Hold on, are you cheating on Tom Brady with Chris Pratt? No, no, no. no. I said man crush, not lover. Okay, I'm very clear with my description there. No. All right, all right, all right. I'm just <laughs> making sure. I mean, did you, uh, by the way, did you see any of the pictures from the Met Gala of Tom Brady's hands in comparison to Roger Federer's? I did, you know, it'd be very, you know, I don't really like to see Tom with, with Giselle. I mean, she's not with me, you know, it's tough for me. No, look, he's a, he's a man, he's a man of the people, he's people champion, he was a Captain America. You know, I, uh, you know, nothing better than watching Tom do his thing on the red carpet. He's comfortable anywhere, anywhere he wants to go, anywhere he wants to be. He just gets it all going. You know, God, that hair and that jawline, it's just so impressive. Yeah, but uh, that'll do it for this midweek pod. As always, please like, share, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends about it, give us any feedback. If you are a fan of our baseball podcast and you haven't listened to it yet, we have them all available on iTunes for you to consume. If you are a current listener or you are familiar with the program, send us your Bleacher Creature Stadium Snacks beers you want us to talk about. All that good stuff. 
If you have anything else that you think we missed, let us know. But go check out the website, thunderblogsports.com. For Matty D, I am the G-Man. Signing out. We'll talk to you guys later.